and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas. Yep, that's me. You already know that. Listen, I would like to take this time really quick to say thank you again, as always, dude, to all the listeners, all the people who are out there sharing, liking, and all that good stuff. Continue to do that. Share this podcast. And along with the latest episodes, please do that for me. I am having a blast um, coming up with different shows. The good thing is I don't really have to come up with anything as of late because it appears to me that the media, our um, congressmen and women on the left, they uh, they give me information. I don't even have to think hard. I just respond back to what they got going on. And of course, our great dicta- uh, dictatorship of a governor here in our state of North Carolina gives us some fuel too. But anyways, if you haven't had the opportunity yet to listen to the last episode entitled the latest buzzwords part two. I started that new series in the second episode, and it is Police Accountability Task Force. Police Accountability Task Force. Um, please do so. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, I spoke about the different United States House bills that they uh, drafted and introduced into um, their different committees. It didn't pass as of yet, thank God, but this was the George Floyd bill. Of course, we know why that was um, created. Of course, that was the latest chatter, but uh, did not pass at this moment that I'm aware of. There was a, a halt, I believe, a, uh, my re- fellow Republican friends um, put a halt to, of course, some Democrats actually having to, gave their blessing on it. So it's, it's amazing. I know one in particular was Cory Bush at one time. I'm not Cory Bush. Um, uh, yeah, 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 Cory Bush. Um, he, he didn't uh, agree that we should be doing all this defunding and all. Go figure. But either way. Go back and listen to that. You will enjoy it. You will enjoy it. Uh, so this is part three of latest buzzwords, Police Accountability Task Force. I am very fortunate and very honored, and I'm very privileged to have a great friend of mine on with me today. He took time out of his busy schedule. He is a mover and a shaker, as I like to identify the people who are doing great things. He is uh, in North Carolina, he's around my age, too, around the same age. And as everybody know, I've, I've been pushing, let's run for office, let's run for, let's run for office and get these uh, elderly geriatric uh, patients out of office. And so, of course, we know Madison Cawthorn is doing that. But look, I, I, I'll shut up. I have a very special guest. His name is John Hardister. He serves in the North Carolina House of Representatives, and it is a privilege and an honor to have him on. And he happens to also be the majority whip so he has a huge responsibility at the age of i think 36 and john if i'm wrong you'll be able to tell me in a moment but before you do that let's please give a warm real talk welcome to my friend my colleague i'm going to add that into and my brother and also a representative of north carolina house john hardister majority whip how are you doing today my friend i'm doing well sir thank you for having me i'm glad to be with you it's a privilege. When I uh, text you up, you said absolutely. Uh, there was no hands down, no questions, no rebuttal. You said I'll do it, and I appreciate that. And I won't take much of your time because I know you are uh, busy um, in the house and, of course, in your own endeavor. So, John, I want to move right into it. And, and excuse me, no, I want to give you the proper respect, even though we are colleagues. It doesn't matter. You are. You've earned that right, uh, Representative Hardister. Uh, I want to talk really brief uh, about your platform so that uh, and your biography so that the listeners can get an idea of who you are, who's outside of 
North Carolina, all the Republicans here and Democrats, of course, in North Carolina, they are uh, heavily aware of who you are. But this is Representative Hollister right here. He decided to run for public office uh, because he felt it was necessary in North Carolina and it needed a new direction, which he has brought that um, to the game. He also stated that there needed to be and he needed to bring more responsible, uh, well, I should say a more responsible approach to the operations of state government, which he is doing. Uh, since taking office, Representative Hodderster has worked on and supported legislation within uh, the North Carolina government for efficient and to allow the private sector to grow. He also focuses on the fiscal conservative uh, values of uh, the budget and all that good stuff. Um, he also serves in the private sector, uh, not just in the government he spoke about. It's in the private sector as well that he brings these uh, ideas and uh, brings it to life, okay? Uh, he believes in creating a, a government and more opportunities for all citizens, okay, and for the citizens. This is why he stated, I'm going to quote, I've made it a goal to take a responsible pro-business approach to solve the problems facing our state. And I know Hardister, Representative Hardister personally, I keep up with his Facebook, we're Facebook friends as well. He always keeps the uh, citizens and the um, great people that he actually represented his district, but also um, within the state, he keeps us abreast. He'll go up there, put different bills out and let us know, or just put out great information. So we appreciate what you're doing. But I want to move into his background. John was born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, he is the only child of Wayne and Carol, Caroline or Caroline. I may be saying that wrong. Is it Caroline? It's Carolyn. Carolyn Hardister. Yeah, you're close enough. Okay. Thank you. So I got the credit right there. Your parents have done a major and wonderful job uh, with the help of the great Lord Almighty. He is a graduate of Grimsley High School um, and also Greensboro College, and he obtained a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science. Go figure. That's what he's doing now. He put that degree to work and doing a great job. After college, John went on to work as the vice president for marketing at uh, First Carolina Mortgage. So he is into the financial business. You heard me state earlier, he's big on physical budgets and all makes sense right he's also a small business owner and it is a family operated business that he runs his family's business just like many others was severely impacted by the great recession that we've have um, happened to go under but this experience along with his concern for our state's future here in North Carolina is prim primarily uh, what inspired John to run for office okay and since taking office John has proven to be one of the most effective leaders, and I will agree with that, in the General Assembly. He has held uh, Republicans and Democrats to the fire, and I, and, and I love it. He has passed numerous bills, chaired committees, and received several awards for his work. Uh, he always keeps us abreast of his awards. Uh, he makes sure you post them on Facebook, and we, in return, gives him uh, we give him the shout-outs and the congratulations that he deserves. He is a, uh, his colleagues elected him to serve as the North Carolina House Majority Whip, and he'll discuss more of what that actually entails which is one of the top leadership positions. So um, Representative Hardison, before I even started spouting and preaching um, that our generation need to run, he was already doing it. So uh, he actually, in my opinion, helped me push this narrative. And of course, um, and, and John, you didn't know that, Representative John, but you did. And then, of course, when Madison came on the, the scene, Madison Cawthorn, the youngest um, serving men, member in the House, uh, that, that, that just pushes the drive to continue to get us to uh, 
change what is going on. You know, the old ways are sometimes not the good ways. And so as we progress in America, in our states, we have new ideas. And you've heard um, what John, Representative Rep uh, Hardister, is all about. And I keep saying John, and I'm working on it because, again, he is a representative. He's not just John. But let me tell you some of the things he likes doing. And I'm going to give the mic to him for just a moment. In his spare time, he enjoys spending time with family. He works out. Um, and I'm quoting now, I do see, um, oh, well, that's actually what I wrote in there. I, I see him posting his workouts. And so he does stay busy. Um, he keeps his office polished up. It, it looks pretty cool. I like it. And he also reads. He loves playing golf. And I didn't know this, but he is a guitar player. And so we love that. Okay, Representative Hardister, that was a lot of great information. I think I got it out quickly. But these are things that the uh, listeners need to know about you so they have an idea um, where you are in your life right now. So if you don't mind, would you like to add anything else to what I uh, read off your biography? And we'll get some time in the end to talk about your upcoming uh, re-election um, and, and all that great stuff and how the listeners can continue to support you. I'm going to give it over to you. Well, you, you've done a fantastic job with the introduction. I might have to hire you to be my official spokesperson because you, you covered the ground. You did it very well. Um, you can call me John. Uh, you know, I have the representative title, but I'm, I'm a first name basis kind of guy. Um, I agree with what you're saying about uh, millennials getting uh, younger people uh, elected to office. Uh, I think that's a that's a good thing. And, um, you know, I'm starting to slowly age out of that a little bit. Um, you made me a little bit younger, which is good. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm actually 38 and, uh, I've got a birthday coming up at the end of October, uh, October 29th, I'll be turning 39 years old. So I'm sneaking up on, uh, 40 <laughs> ever, uh, ever so closely. Um, and it's kind of, kind of surreal because, you know, it seems like just yesterday I was elected and I was actually elected at the age of 30. Wow. Um, and, but my, my birthday, as I mentioned, is, is right at the end of October. So, uh, my birthday basically is, is right before every election. So when I ran the first time, it was 2010, I was 27 years old and I lost that race and I ran for the state house. And then I ran again in, uh, 2012 and got elected. And I was 29 for most of the campaign, but by the time I was actually elected, I was 30. And when I was elected, I think I was maybe the third youngest member. And now I'm probably about the 10th youngest, uh, which is good. We got more younger people, um, you know, getting elected. Uh, I've been told to look a little younger than I am, which is a good thing. You do. When I was, you know, when I was a high school student, you know, I wanted to look older. But now that I'm actually kind of getting older, I'm glad that I look younger. So I'm, I'm very blessed in that <laughs> regard. Um, and I want to thank you for your service, for uh, what you do for for public safety, uh, protecting our uh, our safety and our and our freedoms. Uh, that that's greatly appreciated, and um, and I appreciate you you um, uh, doing this podcast. I mean, I think it's good to have people um, you know listen in and pay attention to what's happening in their community and the state and the federal government. And um, I appreciate you having me on today. It it, it is a pleasure, Representative Hardish. It's a pleasure. And I know you want me to call you John, but we are in a, um, in my opinion, a professional setting, and I'm going to give you that. But I appreciate you for allowing me to. Um, call you as such. But no, it is a privilege and an honor to serve in law enforcement. As I always say, no matter where I'm at, if I'm speaking live, it is a, a, a passion of mine. It is a calling. I talked about that in the beginning of uh, this 
a podcast. That was the first episode, um, law enforcement, being a police officer is a calling. That's what it was entitled. And of course, we brought some scriptures in there. But at the end of the day, yes, you 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 did make the record uh, uh, as the one of the youngest serving uh, representatives. And you have won every election cycle since then. And it is amazing. You are um, what we call a testament to what is going on um, in the world of um, politics. And so you can do it. You, we can all do it. We got to continue to go forth and make it happen. So I'm enjoying that. And so again, thank you for taking out the time. We won't spend a whole lot of time. We're going to dive right into it. So as you know, Representative Hardister, this show is strictly centered around the law enforcement community and uh, what better person to have on the show than someone who is serving in our house and who supports law enforcement. And um, we'd love to get your perspective on some questions that I'm going to be asking. But here at this show, we always say we would never defund the police, but we will defend the police. Now, good or bad, if the police have acted bad, I always say this, uh, I'm not going to be able to defend that. You know, I'm not a, uh, a defense attorney. That's not what I do. So I can go against the grain and say, hey, this was an error here. But we're not going to usually Monday morning quarterback, but we will say, hey, you could have done something different there. Either way, we're going to preach on the good and the bad. So that's what we're about at Real Talk. But right now, um, we've been doing a lot of defending because it seems to me that uh, all the way from the state, uh, all the way to the federal government, they are beating down on us pretty hard in the law enforcement community, and they're trying to continue to tie hands. And I get it. We are the most uh, scrutinized profession. We live in a glass uh, house. I get it. But we're not as bad as uh, what people are making us out to be. And what we saw uh, last year, George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, was a unique situation. I haven't uh, came across any other officer, male, female, um, white or black, who um, goes around, if I should say that word, and, and stick knees in, 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 some, in people's necks. So that was unique. And I hate it happened. Um, you know, we pray for both families because both families were destroyed. But after that, all these different bills and things stem down, and they're still trying to create legislation because I talked about it before. My boss, who I like to refer to her as a boss lady, uh, Candace Owens, um, serving in the Blexit organization, as you know, uh, Representative Hardison, she always talks about how, uh, and I agree with her, um, George Floyd was made a martyr, and he was just made into some great guy. And I'm not going to get into his background. We are aware he wasn't uh, the most uh, upstanding citizen. So, But we see that more and more legislation has been created, more and more conversations have been created, and it's all to put them in a light as being a great person. And, and then the counteract is cops are all bad. So that's where I have a disconnect and I disagree. So, Representative Hardest, I want you to come on today. And what we're going to do, we're going to first slide into your background, and I'm going to ask you here in a second about your district and where you serve at, uh, your future plans. And then on the bottom end of the questions, we'll move into some of the police uh, accountability questions. How does that sound? That sounds great. Great. Well, look, we got about 15 minutes uh, until this ends, so I think this should be able to carry us to the first half of the show. So let's move right into it, uh, Representative Hardister. How long have you served in the North Carolina House, and what district do you currently serve in? Yes, yeah, so I was elected in, in 2012. We have two-year terms. And um, so that in itself can be challenging because basically every other year we have to stand for re-election. Uh, I'm in my fifth term now. Uh, I'm in my third term as a majority whip, and I'm actually the, the youngest majority whip in state history and the longest serving wow. majority whip in state history. I found that out recently, and that's kind of cool. That's very uh, cool. Yeah, it's an honor to serve. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, when I got elected to the House, it was my first office. 
uh, you know, that I was elected to. And it's really been an honor and a privilege and a, and a fascinating experience. As far as my district's concerned, uh, the district number is 59. It's located in Guilford County. Uh, there's 120 house districts in the state. Uh, mine, as I said, is number 59. And um, I'm based out of, like I said, Guilford County. So it's kind of central North Carolina, right outside of Greensboro. Uh, my district is uh, very um, balanced in terms of the, um, the demographics. I have um, about one third of my district is urban, about a third is rural, and about a third is suburban. Uh, and it's also worth noting that I had the most expensive house race in state history wow. last year in 2020. Um, the Democrats really, uh, they came after us. You, you know, they wanted to take the majority back in the North Carolina General Assembly, and they sure did put a lot of money into North Carolina. Because my race is so competitive, um, you know, my district is so split. It, you know, you've heard of a swing state. Well, I have a swing district. It could easily go either way. And, um, so we had to put a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears into it, and a lot of money into it, and a lot of praying happened. Uh, but you know, thank God um, we made it, and I was able to get reelected. That is powerful. So, listeners, you you have to take all that away, but I want you to focus on something he said. He had the most expensive race, race, and uh, you said North Carolina's history. As that, was that correct? Yes, yes, sir. That's correct. It was the, the most expensive in history. As far as the House is concerned, now the Senate, I'm not sure, but as far as the House races, it was the most expensive in state history. Absolutely. And what I wanted to add was it's not because Representative Hardison has done a bad job, as I stated earlier and I always say, and I know a lot of others say it as well, it's because of the, the left, the Democrats are working hard as they can. We see it now to get the Republicans out, no matter if they're doing good or bad, but they want to, as a Representative stated, they want full control, but they're doing this. And, and again, continue. If you heard him say, he also has a portion of the urban community. And for those uh, who are saying, well, what does that exactly mean? Well, we're going to tell you it's the black communities. Okay. The minority communities. And, and if, if they could take hold of that, you know, that, that, that is a stronghold. They, they can probably defeat representative Hardison. But what I want to get to is that he's a fighter and he did not back down. Uh, it's unfortunate that politics involve a lot of money and he was able to, not only defeat that with uh, money, but also his experience and his background. I love it. And he said the Lord was at the forefront of it, and we totally believe it. Uh, and we're happy for you. Congratulations on that. And I just pray during the next cycle, you won't have to spend all of that money to to continue to hold your seat. You have proven that you are a, a leader, and you have uh, put your money, you have put your blood, sweat, and tears where your mouth is. So I like that. Well, I appreciate that. It means a lot. Absolutely. You, you are my brother indeed, and you know that. Uh, the second question is this. What inspired you, and you kind of answered it earlier, and well, actually, I'll back up and say I kind of answered it for you in your, bio, in your bio, but you actually um, put it together. So, yeah, you both of us answered the question, but I want to really hear from you uh, rather than out on paper. What pushed you to run for political office? Well, that's, that's a great question, and uh, there's, there's kind of two reasons why. I, I ran. The, the, the first reason dates back to when I was in high school. Uh, when I was a junior, I studied U.S. history and just became fascinated with how our country was founded and the, the founding principles and you know our free market system and freedom and liberty and, and our uh, democratic process. And so uh, later on, when I went to college, I studied political science 
And my thought was I would either go to law school or maybe I would um, go into public affairs or, or work uh, maybe on Capitol Hill on staff or something like that. Um, but by the time I graduated college, I actually uh, went to work with my family. We have a mortgage company, so we're in financial services. And that was in 2006. And then, um, I mean, my dad started the company back in 1990. So the company's been around for a while. Um, you know, and, and my parents are, are both small business owners. My, um, you know, my dad started off in banking back in 1960s. And my mom uh, was, was uh, a, um, she worked at a grocery store back um, when she got married to my dad, bagging groceries and ended up um, being a secretary in an office after that. And uh, then worked for Xerox company for a while. Then she ended up um, uh, working uh, as a custom home builder, started her own business back around the time I was born. Um, so the point is my parents came from, from a very low income situation. Uh, they, they didn't have much money. They, they shared a car. They had um, one bedroom apartment back in the day. And this was in, um, uh, they got married in Asheboro, North Carolina, which is you know not too far from, from where we live today, my parents live in Greensboro, and which is where I grew up. Uh, but the point is, my, my parents came from very humble beginnings, and they didn't go to college. They, they, they wow. started, but they didn't have money to continue, so they dropped out. And th- they both have been successful, but they had to work their way up. They, they had to work really hard, um, make a lot of sacrifices, and they ended up doing well. And um, so that's, that's part of the reason why. In fact, that's probably the paramount reason why. Um, you know, I'm a conservative and I'm interested in politics because that ability to pursue freedom uh, is something that's really important. It's integral to our country. If we take that away, people don't have that ability that we won't have a country anymore. Um, so that's really important to me. And then, of course, the, the recession that hit um, and, and, you know, some of the younger um, people today don't quite remember. But back in 2008 and nine, we had a really severe um, recession, and that affected a lot of businesses across the country, including my family's business. The concern about the economy at the time is what propelled me to run, because as I mentioned, I had an interest in politics, but I, I'd never run for anything, never really been involved in a party, but I was just worried about my country and my state, and the state of North Carolina was not in good shape. So I decided to run, and when I ran the first time, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but um, I thought about it, prayed about it, and and ran. And uh, I didn't win the first race, but I did decently well for a first-time candidate. But I really enjoyed the process of being a candidate, of um, meeting people and getting out and um, hearing what people have to say, what their stories are. And um, so ultimately, as I mentioned before, I ran again and and got elected in 2012, and the rest is history. It is a history moment, and and – I will say your your family's business was definitely affected because I remember that that was during the time of the housing market um, was sinking and all that stuff. And your parents are the epitome of what we call the American dream. You know, uh, they, we always hear it from the side of the aspect of the uh, black community, which we, we, we do like to share that because that's a great thing to let everybody know that you can rise above. But the reason why so many people are fleeing and, and you know this better than i know representative fleeing into america is not because they enjoy um good fried chicken and, and collard greens nope they moved into america because 
they want a piece of the American dream and the pie, and that still is alive today. The left is preaching that it's not, never existed for the black community, and we beg to differ even in the white community, low impoverished areas, we'll just say that. But it's still true today. Your parents started from humble beginnings, and I know, I don't know them personally, but I know that they are still humble because your um, personality and your spirit gives that off. And so look at them today, you know. So there is hope. There is still uh, great people left in America like Representative Hardison that can uh, share his testimonies and let you know you can overcome and do great things. And parents, his parents didn't finish college, but I know they were proud when uh, you did. So that is a yes, wonderful sir. deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, honored that, um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to grow up in the United States and grow up in North Carolina and to have a mom and dad, um, you know, who, who cared about me. And, and I'm also very fortunate that they, they instilled in me the, um, the, the importance of, of hard work and, you know, integrity and uh, do the best you can and treat others with respect. And that's something I've always tried to do in my life. And I think we have to have that in our country uh, and we're not seeing enough of it today. There's just a lot of um, intolerance and a lot of it's on the political left. You know, if you really think about it, the, the, the liberals in our country tend to posture themselves as being you know, enlightened and above the fray, but they're not. They're, they're, many of them have actually become very intolerant, um, and we, we can't let uh, the left manipulate the, um, the fabric of freedom and upward mobility in, in, our, in our country. And we, we have to let people know that although people have different advantages in life and different backgrounds, um, anyone can make it. Uh, if you believe in yourself in this country and uh, it's not always going to be easy, but you know, the government just simply can't solve every problem and provide for everybody. We know that socialism simply, you know, and I don't mean to digress, but I think it's all interrelated. Uh, socialism just doesn't work, you know, and I think that's something that you know, we, we have to um, talk about as much as we can, because there's a lot of, particularly in, on college campuses, young people who um, you know, are being told, certain things about our country just simply not true hey man i gotta clap on that because no that's fine i'm glad we had this opportunity to bring it up because all that is needed and need to be heard and you did a great job laying it out and, and so no thank you for sharing that we're almost up on a break and i believe this last question should be able to carry us in so i could do the outro uh how long have you been a uh, republican you sort of answered that too but how long would you put on paper that you've been <laughs> since uh, since day one, my friend? I was uh, I registered to vote, uh, so it's interesting. I, as I mentioned early on in the program, my my birthday is October 29th, and I was born in 1982. So if you do the math on that, I turned 18 in the year 2000, which meant I was able to vote in the in the 2000 presidential election, and um, so back then I was in high school. I was a senior. And I was able to register to vote when I was 17. And uh, as I mentioned before, I had an interest in politics and studied U.S. history, but I wanted to be an informed voter. So here I am. I'm 17. Uh, there's a major election going on. That's when uh, George W. Bush was running and Al Gore was running. And um, I started, uh, I think my friends thought I was uh, kind of kind of different because of while a lot of them are watching sports, I'm watching like Fox and CNN and local news and I'm reading uh, magazines on politics and the Wall Street Journal and things like that. And um, and so once I registered to vote, it just became clear to me that I was a conservative, that I, I actually read the platform of the Democratic Party and the platform of the Republican Party. And it just became clear to me 
at that age that I'm a conservative, I'm a Republican. So, uh, so yes, I've been a, a registered Republican since day one. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I came on the back end of those next four years uh, uh, with President Bush. I was able to vote. And again, I shared a story and we'll get into it at a later day. I, I didn't know if I was a Republican, Democrat. My parents were not uh, heavily involved in, well, they weren't involved in politics at all. They did vote, but so we didn't speak about uh, those types of things. And I was 18 as well. And all I knew was, I believe, and I still believe it, when see, when someone's uh, either created a mess, not only just create a mess, but if you're in a mess, I don't believe it's someone else's responsibility to clean it up. And unfortunately, I know they only get eight years if they're uh, blessed and lucky to do it. But uh, of course, we saw our great president, Donald Trump last uh, election cycle only take four, but there is more to come. I digress from that. I had to throw it in there, uh, Representative Hardister. Yeah. But I voted for uh, George Bush for the uh, last uh, tour of his term of the last four. And I, again, didn't know if I was a Republican or a Democrat, but I, I just uh, knew that uh, he should finish out. And I did like uh, a little bit that I knew, was, which was very little. Um, I think one of the reasons why I chose him, too, is that his dad um, – was actually ser who served as a great president as well. I know some people beg to differ, but then also I knew his brother was in politics as well, Jed. And so uh, I was just like, hey, why not? It seems like a family of politicians, uh, sort of like the Kennedys. <laughs> <sort of. laughs> and then, of course, 9-11 helped me make that decision. I didn't think it should be someone else's responsibility to come in the middle of a war and help uh, uh, or, you know, uh, take away. But, of course, we still had to have a new person to uh, come in and finish it. But either way, um, I love it. I'm enjoying it. We have less than 30 seconds to go to that break. And so I want to say so far, I've enjoyed. I know the time moves quick. We probably need really two hours to discuss all we have to talk about. But I want everybody to know that you are listening to Real Talk. I am your host, again, Officer Aaron Swan Thomas. You hear me say that all the time. And I do have a very special guest, a friend, a colleague, a brother. Uh, he serves as majority whip in the North Carolina House of Representatives. Stay tuned. Come back. Grab a drink. And we will get the show back on the road. Hello, all. Welcome back to the second half of Real Talk. We um, have been having a blast, even off of the air just now. Uh, Representative Archer and I were talking off the record, and I love it. But I don't want to take any time because we have so much great information. So let's move into our next question. Uh, and, and, and I always say this, so I do have to take a break. If you did go get a snack. I hope you came back, okay? And if you are driving in your car, like most do listening to podcasts, make sure you buckle up, listen, and, of course, uh, pay attention to those red lights. We don't want anybody getting a ticket. Okay, I just want to throw it out there. I'm back. What is your current state of mind as it pertains to the Republican Party as a whole? And then the second half of that question, Representative, is are you happy with our progress? What is your current state of mind as it pertains to the Republican Party as a whole? Well, I think the future of the Republican Party is very bright. I think that if you look at our track record and what we've done um, in the country, uh, the, the agenda under the Trump administration over the previous four years, as well as what we've done at the state level in North Carolina, uh, the track record is clear. I mean, if you want to start under the Trump administration, uh, record low unemployment among all demographics, uh, GDP was strong. Our nation was safe and secure, um, the, the highest level of prosperity in, in my lifetime. Uh, and then if you look at the state level and what we've done in North Carolina to turn the state around after uh, decades of financial mismanagement, we've, we've turned revenue deficits into a surplus. Uh, our economy has been strong. 
we have um, brought a lot of jobs in North to North Carolina. The state's growing. Uh, you know, the, the track record that, that we have is, is very clear. Uh, conversely, uh, if you juxtapose the Republican and the Democratic Party, uh, there's really no contest. The Democrat Party now, unfortunately, um, stands for socialism. That, that's that's where they are. Uh, and, and it hasn't always been that way. Uh, when I first got into politics about 10 years ago, um, the Democratic Party was liberal, but I wouldn't say they were socialists, but they've really moved to the left now. And um, they're adopting policies that are you know, far outside the mainstream. And I think a lot of people who maybe had voted for Joe Biden in, in the last election have buyer's remorse. They, they regret their decision because they've seen what's happened, that um, the Democrats, unfortunately, are just not capable of leading. They, they're not making the right decisions. They, you know, they're spending trillions of dollars. They're not being financially responsible. They're talking about raising taxes to um, an extreme amount. Uh, that, that would have a detrimental impact on our country. We've all seen the disaster in Afghanistan and uh, and the crisis at the border that, that's yet to be resolved. Uh, people are paying attention and they're waking up. I think there's going to be a red wave in um, the election next year because pe- people, they don't like what's happening in our country. And uh, in a way, it could be a blessing in disguise that um, the Democrats did take the majority because they've showed their hand now and um, the American people are, are not going to support it. And like I said, I think it's going to be a red wave in next year's election. Amen. And, and you said it, you hit it on the nail. They showed their hand, the, the, the left. Of course, Nancy Pelosi sitting at the top of it and uh, Chuck Schumer, they showed their hand as it looks at our federal government. And, you know, to piggyback what you said, uh, they, they, they don't look at the value. They don't look at the cost. They're just all about spending money that we don't even have, creating paper that we don't even and putting a number on it that we don't even have and nancy pelosi which i'm sure you are aware you heard it she said something that was uh not surprising but and she thought i'm sure she thought it was very methodical but she said don't pay attention to the amount the number that we're spending she said pay attention to the value and i said well uh no that don't really make sense you know we have to pay attention that's what anything and you being a uh, a numbers guy you uh you know you handle and 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 Sometimes I'm sure you help create the state budget uh, or you probably are the main person that does that within your majority whip role. But either way, um, and, 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 and I don't know if that's set aside for, for the finance committee or not, but either way, what I'm trying to say is with anything, even in your personal endeavors, you do have to pay attention to the numbers on it. That, that allows us to know how our budgeting is going to uh, affect. So that's not true, Nancy. You know that. And for the people who listen to that and believe she's telling the truth. I mean, come on now. Uh, you don't need uh, to be blind to realize that she's lying about that. Uh, all they well, want she, to- she is the one who said that uh, back at this when they're voting for Obamacare several years ago, that you have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. <laughs> wow. You know what? I, I, I remember that. And, and it goes another false statement. How can you pass or push anything without reading it, you know, first, you know, that's like buying a car and never reading what the contract and the warranty says. That don't make sense. Well, it shows you that they're, they're not too worried about your money. You know, I don't know how, um, there's a lot of hypocrisy here. You know, you're, when you look at uh, many of the modern day Democrats, like for example, they're, they don't seem to be in favor of having orderly immigration with a secure border, but yet they've got a fence around their house. <laughs> and, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi is a very wealthy person. 
Uh, I, have no, I have no problem with that. I mean, people are wealthy, more power to them. But yet, when it comes to your money, she doesn't really care how much money they spend. And they spend fiat money that the government doesn't even have. Amen. You hit it again. I, I'm, I'm going to use that expression a lot today. Hit on them because you <laughs> talked about spending. She, she's okay with spending our money. And again, yeah, I respect that as well. When you have, uh, like yourself and your family, become self-made um, entrepreneurs. But we have to go back to uh, the fact that she's a career politician and she's created her wealth based on uh, wheeling and dealing and also being a representative. But I will digress there because we we need, again, we need a two-hour show just dedicated to that. And I think uh, at some point down the road when you're not uh, busy, we, we need to come on and do something strictly for that because you have a lot of great information um, to give. And everybody's saying, well, I thought this was defund, uh, defend the police, never defund the police. Yeah, but we do interject because I uh, people, one person asked me recently, is this a nonpartisan show? And it, it is. It is indeed. So I can get up here and push whoever I need to push. But at the end of the day, everybody knows where I stand. I'm a Republican. Um, but either way, I'll move on. I'll shut up. In the future, do you plan to seek a higher office within the state or federal government? Now, uh, I want to throw this in too. Now, if you're not at, at will to even give any of our listeners and citizens a uh, sneak peek into that. I'm totally okay with that. But uh, if you can share. That's a good question. And the, the honest answer is I don't know. Uh, you probably heard this a lot. I, I enjoy what I'm doing now, focused on my current job. Uh, most likely I'll run for re-election uh, to this position uh, next year, and that's coming up fast. Uh, we're drawing the districts currently. You probably know about that. And then the, the filing will be in December and then the elections next year. So um, that's coming up. And, and as of now, my plan is to run for, for re-election to, to the current office. As far as the higher office, I, it's just hard to say because, as you know, so many things change in politics. You don't know what the opportunities are going to be. Um, but I certainly would not rule it out. It's, it, it, it's an honor to serve. And, uh, you know, I'd have to see what the opportunity would be and, and, and think about it, assess the situation, pray about it, and ultimately um, – make a decision but if i could advance my my service in some form or fashion uh, i think there's a good chance i would do it um but but right now it, I, I just i don't know uh what the future will bring so we'll just have to wait and see absolutely and i always say this i didn't coin the phrase uh but i always say this and i everybody that knows um me and blexit being in leadership and been able to rise to the national level now that I didn't ask for is because work ethics and my belief in what we're doing. Uh, I always say this when I, when, when Pierre, our national director promotes me to a new level, I always say, I'm going to do my best to leave it better than I found it. And I believe in everybody has a season. And, and what I'm saying to you is uh, once you have done all you can do within North Carolina, which you've done a whole lot, uh, my prayer is that you don't stop there. You make it all the way to the federal level and you already know anywhere i can help i know i serve uh, i live in a different uh, district than where you represent but at the end of the day you still represent north carolina as a whole and uh, i'm gonna do my best to help you and i do believe you have um, a greater and a higher calling um, in the federal government so i look forward well, i appreciate to you. it absolutely I, I, that means a lot i appreciate it brother and i mean it and, and so because i know what you're doing and one thing that you do and i mentioned it earlier you make sure that the citizens and the people that you represent are aware of what's going on about putting that information out on your personal page to let them yep. know. And of course, we know we can go and look it up and listen to the uh, committees and when y'all are making your decisions. But you put it out there for us to see. So that's great. Continue to do it. How do you feel about the funding 
the police. How do you feel? And so, hold on, before I move into that, let me see something here. Okay, so I got to throw this in there. We have moved away from, I told you we were going to talk about the political aspect of uh, Representative Hardister's uh, career and his endeavors. And again, in the end, we'll talk more about his upcoming election. But I want to digress away from the question as it pertains to the political side. And we are going political, but we're going into the law enforcement realm. So I just want to make sure everybody was aware of that we have moved into the law enforcement realm. How do you feel, Representative Hardister, about defunding defunding the police in our state of North Carolina? And then the second half will be as a whole in the nation. Well, well, I strongly reject any notion of defunding uh, the police. In fact, the, the opposite should be our policy. We need to fund and actually defend the, the police. I know there's been a lot of um, consternation over certain things that have happened, but let's be real about it. Uh, the, the vast majority of um, law enforcement officers do an impeccable job. They, they put themselves in line. They make a significant sacrifice. And um, that's something that we all should should honor and, and appreciate. And, and I believe you know, law enforcement uh, could benefit from having uh, enhanced funding for, for safety equipment, for operations, for uh, compensation, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, we need to fund the police. Uh, it, so many people take it for granted. Uh, I think that what might benefit some in this country, particularly maybe on the left or in the media, is to go to a second or third world country where they don't really have the public safety that we have, where there's corruption. Then they'll find out that there really are some serious problems in the world and realize how fortunate we are here um, in this country. I was very honored in, in my last election to be uh, endorsed by several law enforcement agencies and that's that's just simply because i support law enforcement and it shouldn't even be political uh, it's not something that we should be debating politically but unfortunately we've seen uh, some local jurisdictions do things that uh, that really go against um public safety and, and let's let's think about it for a moment public safety is probably the most important aspect of government that's one reason government was created was, was to create safety, particularly local government, when it comes to your city, to your county, your police, your sheriff, and even at the state level, uh, the SBI, the, the, the Highway Patrol, the public safety is probably the most important thing, you know, that, that, that we, I mean, who's going to protect you and your family and uh, your mom and your dad, your, your brother, your sister, your children? I mean, you've got to have law enforcement for that. Um, it's hyperbolic when you hear any politician make a statement about defunding um, police, it's it's ridiculous, quite frankly, uh, and, and we've done things to enhance or attempt to support and enhance the um, integrity of law enforcement. Uh, I've actually spoken with numerous law enforcement officers who say that, uh, yeah, there are some bad actors, and we would like to hold them accountable. But again, the vast majority of law enforcement do the right thing. They put themselves in harm's way, and they would do it again, and they deserve our respect and admiration. In North Carolina, I'll mention that um, in the wake of the George Floyd tragedy, uh, we created a committee to look into justice and public safety, uh, community relations and things like that. And, and ultimately, we were able to create legislation that um, would, would make steps or take steps towards uh, addressing some concerns that people have related to um, conduct of, of law enforcement, because look, no matter what we do in life, whether it's education, um, healthcare, public safety, 
transportation, roads and bridges, any kind of public service, we always have to work to try to make it better. And you know, one thing that we've done in North Carolina is we've actually passed, so the governor signed uh, legislation that would um, enhance law enforcement, uh, mental health screenings for those who um, who wear a badge, who, um, who serve for a law enforcement agency. Uh, we have um, created a uh, model where law enforcement officers would have to, and this probably happens anyway, but if they saw another law enforcement officer doing something that could be excessive or um, a breach of conduct to uh, intervene and to report it, and then ultimately uh, we've created a system where there'll be a database that tracks any infractions or anything involving violence or discharge of a firearm, um, just so you know, we know what's going on as far as the the personnel file is concerned. And this is in no way, shape, or form meant to put any kind of negative light on, on law enforcement. It's just meant to ensure that if there are bad actors, of which there's not many at all, but if there are some, then, then we, we know who they are, you know, and we can respond accordingly. So w when you hear people say, uh, and you, you probably hear it when you turn on the, the, the TV and you listen to the media uh, or the just left-wing uh, talking points, you'll probably hear that, well, we're, we don't care about, um, you know, holding law enforcement accountable. Well, yes, we do. And law enforcement wants to be held accountable. I've, I've yet to speak to one law enforcement officer who doesn't think that their profession should be held accountable. So uh, if someone says that we're not doing it, the answer is we are. And we did this collaboratively with input from people in the community, from um people on both sides of the, the aisle. We have Republicans and Democrats serving on this, commit, this, this committee. Uh, so I'm proud of the work we've done. But again, it all comes back to supporting those that, that wear uniform, who put their, themselves in harm's way. And as long as I serve in public office, anyone who works in public safety has my support, not only that, my admiration. Absolutely. And the great thing, and, I, and I'll go back to it, I said it earlier, that you are 100% genuine. You want to keep the listeners and the citizens that you serve informed. And you heard it here. He laid it out to you. He told you it wasn't no uh, sugarcoating. He, he made it clear that they, uh, the people on the right who are supporters, who I support, the Republicans, have uh, met with the stakeholders in the community, and they believe that accountability of police should be uh, at the forefront, and they've done that. So it's not only the left, and I know I'll speak about the left pushing it, but um, when you look at and you listen to what Representative Hardison said, you notice there was nothing on the negative side to control and, as I like to say, tie the law enforcement hands. I'm going to use the expression that one of them on the left used that I talked about in the previous episode, enhancing. I think it was the last one. They kept saying enhancing. So if you notice that the representatives on the right are enhancing the law enforcement community in the proper way, not enhancing the agenda they are just wanting to make sure that yes we are held accountable and you're correct we do want to be held accountable um the only negative things i have uh when 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 especially the left is saying we're going to uh defund we're going to put all these ramifications we want this database we want to know your use of force uh history all that is true and i think it's important but the left has a tendency to want these things just because they just want control and that's not what this is about it's not about it's not about control it's about to uh, 
have a better outcome and to make sure yeah, they, they politicize it the, the, the less that they politicize it and they they take the approach that if you're in law enforcement that you're guilty until proven innocent when i think anyone in law enforcement deserves the benefit of the doubt agreed agreed and and one big thing you are heavily aware of that they're trying to uh, and I talked about it on the last episode as well because that episode was centered around the uh, the accountability. I believe that's what the reimagining. Excuse me, the reimagining. Um, and then we did do the accountability. So I'm getting two episodes tied together, but it all does intertwine because they talked about the immunity. They they want to get rid of the qualified immunity for law enforcement. And I spoke about well, won't we get rid of the quali- if we're going to do that? The qualified immunity for uh, the medical professionals, the malpractices that they have, especially right now during COVID. If we get to be wiped away from immunity, so should the uh, folks that are serving in healthcare. You know, and I'm not trying to compare oranges to apples, but right now we see that the deaths are even greater than any, um, in my opinion, law enforcement involved shooting, because we got to add that and um, justified shootings too. But either way, yeah, they want to do all this, Representative, but we stand no, uh, we stand and we serve notice on those folks that want to do that. Just because is that we're not gonna, we're not gonna take it. We will fight back. So, I appreciate you for sharing that, and um, we'll move more into those because those three bills, Governor uh, Roy Cooper, um, I like to call him, and this is just me. This is not Representative Harrison saying it. It's me. I like to call him more Dictator Cooper. Um, and you know, at one point he he did serve in our. Uh, North Carolina as the Attorney General, but I, I haven't really seen a whole lot come out of that um, so far with his policies. But either way, I'm moving on. I want to throw it out there. Do you have any thoughts on what took place last year as it pertains to the uh, the George Floyd and Derek Chauvin? I like to call it mayhem that we witnessed throughout the country. Uh, it hit yeah. right here in North Carolina. Yeah, I do. I do. That, that's an important question. Uh, it's, it was really one of the, I think, uh, most pivotal moments in our nation's history, um, the, the way that that situation escalated. And um, I personally agree, with, based on what I know, with the, um, the the court's decision involving the officer. Uh, I've seen the video, just like every other American. Uh, it appears that what the officer did was wrong, and, and that's why we have to have accountability. Uh, just like any citizen, whether you're private or you're uh, wearing a badge, you got to be held accountable. And, you know, you're, you're, when you have tens of thousands of law enforcement across country, sadly, you're going to have some that, that, uh, that do their job improperly. And um, I don't blame people for being upset. I don't blame people for having a conversation. I don't blame people for protesting. In fact, uh, protesting is, is really a, one of the bedrock tenets of, uh, of our Constitution, of our personal freedom. What I do have a problem with is people looting and rioting and causing um, destruction of property. I do have a problem with that. Now that's that's anti-American. That's dangerous. Uh, we all have a right to to protest and speak up and have our voices heard, but to damage public or private property is simply wrong. Uh, we saw it happen all over the country, and we saw it happen here in North Carolina. It happened in Raleigh, and Charlotte, and Greensboro. Um, there were businesses that were burned, that were uh, severely damaged, that were boarded up. Uh, and it was a really sad and, and, and tragic situation. We actually passed legislation a few weeks ago that would increase penalties for engaging in a riot that involves destruction of uh, personal or private property uh, or that involves injury or death. If anyone is engaged in a, a riot, 
then that person would have an escalated penalty applied to them. Unfortunately, the governor vetoed the bill, which was which is not a surprise. Right. And there was a lot of rhetoric. I mean, we we made clear that this does not infringe on your First Amendment rights. This does not take away your ability to to exercise your expression of free speech and protest. But you can't hurt other people or hurt property. Uh, but the governor, you know, unfortunately vetoed the bill. Our framers drafted that it should be peaceful. And they understood that one day God gave them that vision. In 2021, uh, hundreds of years away from, from them obviously still being on earth, they didn't know that it was exactly the way it looked. They didn't know George and Derek was going to have this incident. But they always talked about peaceful protests. We go all the way back to Rodney King in California. Uh, that was a, a bad situation. We saw the videos. You and I were uh, we're old enough to remember that with the uh, incident with uh, Rodney King. We saw the officers with the nightclub beat them for whatever crime he had committed. Didn't, um, in my opinion, equate to about six officers beating with billy clubs. I don't think anybody could say that that was a, a justified um, apprehension, right? But we right. saw that that wasn't peaceful at, at all, the outcome of that. And they even drug a, a tractor trailer driver out of his, who became famous during that time as a victim, unfortunately. But uh, driving through the protests, and 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 that wasn't peaceful. Then you bring it home to 2021, right here in, in Raleigh. And those bills really, um, and of course, we saw riots before in Charlotte, but that those bills, I'm sure Representative Hardister was um, stemmed and, and really wanted uh, attention focused on after the George Floyd riots here in Raleigh. I watched them by the news. You know, we had never seen, and I'm going to use the words of our president. I love when he says anything to such likes of what we saw there in downtown Raleigh. Uh, my buddy and I, who who is currently running for sheriff of Wake County, which is, again, the capital county, for those who are out there listening, of North Carolina, Raleigh, him and I went out and canvassed uh, because, as anybody knows, Representative Hardest can tell you, running the campaign, boots on the ground, you got to do it. We went. And we met with the business owners. We wanted to hear from them. Um, and the way we tied it into it was the failure of the current sheriff who did not uh, put his duty that he swore to as well to, and, and that he was elected to do to help out uh, the citizens uh, of Wake County with a special emphasis on downtown. Um, didn't even give the proper uh, backing of the Raleigh Police Department, the Capital City Police. But anyways, we spoke to many business owners down there and and this happened last year and they're still upset they 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 have some haven't regained totally from that because their their business was affected from restaurants to to uh high-end uh jewelry stores were affected by that and 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 at the end of the day they had nothing to do uh nobody here in north carolina had anything to do with what happened in minnesota but that bill that y'all drafted is much needed and of course uh we're not surprised at all that Governor Cooper would veto it. He'd rather uh, keep churches closed. He's more focused on that um, rather than putting um, legislation in law that would prevent uh, bad actors from just getting away with crimes. But I always say, too, he's not a business owner. As far as I know, he's, he never owned a business. He's always been in state government that I know of. I know he's an attorney. But he, he doesn't know what it feels like to own a business. I don't either because I, I never owned a business. But I can only imagine when you're a business owner, a lot of things are on you. And so those bills were helped to, uh, were created to help those folks. But anyways, so I'm not surprised that he vetoed that bill. Um, anything that's going to help push the law enforcement and the citizens to come together as a whole together, 
uh, he's going to veto that. But if there's anything that's going to tire hands more and more, he's um, going to um, go ahead and approve. Now, I do agree with what the immunity, the uh, uh, duty to intervene, I, I think that was a great bill because I spoke about in the last episode that I've never been in that situation where an officer was acting out of conduct where I needed to get in between them. And um, I pray I never have to, but I will if need be, because we can't have that in law enforcement. So that bill was needed. And uh, But you know what, Representative Hardister, I talked about this, me and my colleagues. We said, though, it's kind of bad and it's, it, that y'all had to actually sit down and drive something like that. That's, that. that's common sense. You know, we should know right. to intervene. And But unfortunately, there's some uh, bad actors in law enforcement, too, that don't understand, you know. But we're not going to reenact that movie, that famous movie. I don't know if you remember, it was out of California um, where the two officers went in there and beat up the one guy. The one guy challenged him at a fight and he took his uniform off. Now that's a joke that we always hear, but I've never seen it in person. I pray I don't because those are one of those duty to intervene moments. You can't sit there and let your partner engage in a all out brawl um, just because, you know? But great stuff there. And I, I, I will shut up, I will move on. We're coming up on the clock here, and uh, I've just really enjoyed having you on the show. It's been a great pleasure. Again, I can go on and on, but I know you have other things to get to. Um, but I do want to ask you this, and uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, I know we spoke about going into a uh, this last break, but we're three minutes away from a last break, Hardister uh, representative. I can ask you for a huge favor. If I can keep you on for another uh, let's say 20 minutes. That'll be great because I want to ask you one question in general, and then I want to give you time to uh, share with the listeners what is moving and going on in your campaign. Would you agree to do that for me? Sure, I'll be happy to. I love it. Well, look, we have less than three minutes, and so I want to just chat around for a little bit, and then we'll go into that last question um, that I'm going to save. But if the listeners are aware, which they are, I spoke about it in our last episode, the uh, United States House of Representatives Bill 7120. And that is the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, related questions and see what your opinion is on that and uh, how do you feel about it. And then we're going to move into your um, platform and then we'll get out of here. So, audience, we're getting ready to go on our last break. I promise it's going to be the last break. Uh, maybe this gives you time to get another snack or... If you're traveling um, and you have over hour drive, this may have pushed you over the limit to get you where you need to be. So you ought to thank me and Representative Hollister for getting you through that traffic jam, whatever you're doing. And if you're just at home, just hanging out, like I like to do and listen to podcasts, uh, give me a little bit more time and we'll come back and do it again. But Hardister, Representative, I appreciate you for, again, coming on the show. I know I've be the dead horse, but I have to really thank you because of man of your status. Now, I want to give the audience a little sneak peek really quick. Though. I'm working on it, and I may have another uh, special guest, and he is a colleague to Representative Hardister. He happens um, to have made history in last year's election here in North Carolina, and I won't uh, tell you any more than that, but I'm working on it, and we're going to see if his schedule will allow because I want to bring him on the show and do what we call what say you. And so I'm looking forward to it. But again, we're getting ready to go to a break. And so I want you to know, in case you forgot, well, you are listening to Real Talk. You are, just in case. And if you did forget, too, you're listening to Antoine Thomas, Officer Antoine Thomas. And I have my special guest on the show, North Carolina House 
of representatives, the majority whip, Representative John Hardister. So stay tuned, come back, and we'll do it all over again. This is Real Talk, and I'll see you in five, four, three, two. No, I'll stop. I'll stop counting because I have more than uh, 10 seconds. So, But, no, we're leaving for all this time, and I'll see you very shortly. Stay tuned. Real Talk. Hello. I know everybody's back, and I'm sorry we had another break. This is the last one, I promise. I promise you, don't write me and say, look, you had three breaks. That's way too many, Antoine. Okay, this is the last break, I promise. Look, we are back. Representative Harvester is still on the line. He agreed to hang out for a little bit more time, so I don't want to hold you all up. So here we go. The last question I want to ask as it pertains to this wonderful conversation we've had today Representative Hardister, and it's been a privilege. And again, I could stay on the lines for a couple hours just to uh, get the great information out that you have, that I have, and then, you know, the world needs to hear it. But what are your thoughts on the United States Congress House of Representatives bill that they coined 7120? It is a George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020. And before you answer that, um, listeners, if you haven't Listen to the last episode, part two of the latest buzzwords, uh, Police Accountability Task Force. Uh, you will hear me dive deep into that bill. And I talked about how it was filled with pork as well, because a lot of things that didn't even, um, and I get it, you 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 have to add certain things when you have opportunity, but into a legislation bill, because Representative Hollister can tell you, because I can't tell you, but I'm sure it's not easy um, even writing a bill but getting everybody on board um, so sometimes you have to put things in there that you had on the back burner but the left decides to put things in there that really has nothing to do about if you're going to call it the george floyd uh justice of policing act it had nothing to do with that incident so i'm moving on but i want to hear from representative hardester any thoughts on that yeah well i really don't support the bill um yeah i've, I've looked it over uh, it, it looks like there's some things in there that might make sense and some things in there that would be an overreach and, and not necessary. But the, the real reason that I'm opposed to it is because the federal government should stay out of it. Uh, I, I think this is an issue that's better left to the states. Uh, I am a federalist at the end of the day. I, I think that you have to let states, for the most part, chart their own course. Um, the governments closest to the people can govern more efficiently. You know, um, as I mentioned earlier in the program, we've taken action to uh, support law enforcement, to enhance integrity around law enforcement in, uh, in North Carolina. We don't need the federal government uh, or Nancy Pelosi um, telling us what to do. I mean, what works in North Carolina may not work in California. What works in Texas may not work in New York. So uh, I, I think it's a bill that um, would be better off to um, just sit there and, and um, not be voted on. I, and and I'm so glad that it wasn't as uh, far as that final blessing because let me tell you again you were right uh, being a federalist being someone who believes that uh, yes we do need uh, government and that's what makes us a, a Republican we believe in um, small branches of government but we still think it's important to have uh, government to help rule and make decisions for those who are um, unable to do that 
you know, it's sad, but we got to have government. And plus, government was created by God. We have to have rulership. Uh, we do have to have things in place to make everybody abide. So I agree. I do agree. And until they can get that bill right, and if they're going to call it the George Floyd Justice um, of the Policing Act 2020, uh, I think it needs to be just that. If, But I also think, like you stated, Representative Hardister, the feds should have stayed out of it. And, of course, what I found out, and you saw, uh, as well, I'm sure, and we're reading through that bill, which was a lot of um, crap in it, they, they were holding the federal government as it pertains to the law enforcement community accountable to, which, again, this was at a local state level that this happened uh, right there in Minnesota. Uh, it wasn't every state had an officer who they didn't go into a campaign. Let's put a knee in the neck. Everybody, each state, one officer, choose who the officer is. Let's do it. That wasn't it. So why is the government, federal government getting involved? And why is the federal um, law enforcement community being held accountable? Um, now, if we go and look at what just happened with the January 6th, they call it the insurrection and the greatest uh, attack on the United States, which we know that's not true. But if you want to do that, then I see the government, federal government playing a role because there was some, um, and I know this is a side note, but there were some things that I think was a very uh, sneaky and swept under the rug as it pertains to the feds and the law enforcement community. So that will be, that will make more sense to look into that. But what sure. we got going on. I agree on, with that. You agree with that? I appreciate yeah, that. I, I agree. I think you're exactly right. I mean, that was, you know, what, what happened there was, was, um, was wrong. It was shocking. It was, it was tragic. Um, I, I don't care who does that, whether they're on the left or the right or in the center, it doesn't matter. Um, and it happened in nation's capital. You know, it was, a, it was an attack on, on, um, the capital. So it certainly makes sense for federal government to respond to that. And, you know, and Congress oversees the grounds of Congress. They oversee the, you know, the buildings, the infrastructure, the safety. I mean, God bless the, uh, you know, the Capitol police and, um, you know, those who were there to protect, um, the, the halls of Congress. It was just a tragic day. It was a huge tragic day, and I always look back. And uh, now, 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 I will say when you look at, uh, and, and her name escapes me, but we hear it a lot. The one, um, and you may be able to help me, the one that was shot by the Capitol Police officer. Um, I forgot her name. Um, I feel like it was Amy or something. But either way, the one that was shot by the Capitol Police, he tried to use the. Um, what we call the deadly force rule or the act or the policies or the law, as he said that his life was in threat, was threatening. His life was threatened or his uh, others' lives, the congressmen and women there would have been threatened if he didn't intervene. But I, I, I'm going to do a show on that. Um, I, I haven't decided how it's going to look, but I want to speak out against that because in my opinion, I don't think watching and of course we're gonna need to do more research but from what i'm hearing and of course that officer finally he was a black male so let's throw it out there see if you you notice if it was a white officer they wouldn't have said anything anyways because it was a white victim but put a black person as a victim oh my goodness but as the tides turn the black officer of course you never heard any negative um comments coming from the left but i listened to his interview and i beg to differ that he actually was justified in that shooting and this is where i'm talking about they need to look into more to this, and there should be uh, laws centered around that if you want to talk about the federal government. But I don't believe that he was, uh, again, justified in that. Now, and, and I will say this in the same breath, I don't know all the policies of the United States Capitol Police. Some may say they are uh, maybe uh, immune, maybe they are able to 
uh, take a life to protect property. Um, I think that's kind of not the best thing. But again, they may also say, well, if they, she would have got in, who knows what she could have done to any of the representatives. So that's a slippery slope, but I think it's worth diving into. But anyways, that's for another day, another show. However, I wanted to talk about that because I I, I, I just have some red flags on that. And, um, and again, as a black police officer, I could go that route because I don't see other than being attacked somebody can say that the statement I just made was racist because guess what? I'm not a, any other race but the black race talking about the black officer that did it. I don't think he was justified. But we'll digress from that moment. Um, I've enjoyed our talk and I want to move into this last portion and that is your um, upcoming election, Representative Hardister. If you want to share in any way format on what areas of your campaign you could use help or what message you want to get out to your uh, constituents and, and just in general to leave the listeners um, with a good. Well, we, we uh, thank you for asking. We, we could always use uh, volunteers, um, anyone who wants to volunteer during the election cycle. Uh, sharing information is, is critical. If you're on social media, you know, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to, um, to follow me, John Hardister, and share information. Um, you know, donors, we don't like raising money, but we have to, um, you can always donate, uh, you can get more information at johnhardister.com and that's J O N Hardister, H A R D I S T E R.com. And we will get our campaign started, um, early next year. Uh, the, the primary, I believe is going to be in March and we don't know if we'll have a primary uh, opponent yet. Hopefully not. Uh, but we are expecting to have a uh, competitive uh, re-election campaign. Uh, I'm expecting the, the Democrats to once again uh, come after us and and to spend a considerable amount of money to um, distort our record and attempt to win this seat. So um, we got a battle on our hands, but um, but it's worth it. You know, we're we're doing this for all the right reasons, and it's a team effort. You know, you just can't you can't win uh, unless you work as a team. You know, I'm I'm certainly. Uh, uh, not doing this by myself. It takes uh, good people to to help me get elected, and then once I get elected, to help uh, guide me. Um, you know, of course, uh, uh, faith in God as well uh, helps sustain me throughout that process. So, um, you know, thank you for asking. But if people want to, they want to follow um, what I'm doing on social media, certainly we welcome it. And um, and you know, we'll, we'll get our campaign started probably around um, January, February next year. It'll be here before you know it. It will be here before you know it. So you are uh, up for election in 2022. The, the general will be November of next year. Am, am I correct on that? Yes, sir. So we're on a two-year cycle. Uh, okay. Both the House and Senate in North Carolina is on a, a two-year cycle. And it's, it's challenging because you've got you know, a situation where you spend about one year uh, legislating and then the other year campaigning. Right. But um, it's not bad. It keeps us plugged in to, to what people are thinking and and uh, what people have to say, and uh, it certainly keeps us grounded. Uh, but, you know, I've got one of those districts that's very competitive. You know, some there's some districts that are heavily Democratic, and it's impossible for a Republican to win, and then there's some districts that are heavily Republican. It's hard for Democrat to win, but I've got one of those districts that's in the middle um, as far as demographics. But, I, but I'm very optimistic. I think that uh, I think we're going to win. And I think we're going to win because we have the, the right ideas. We've got a track record. And again, if you if you look at what the two parties stand for, there's really no comparison. I mean, you, you've you got the Democrat Party that's clearly gone too far out of the mainstream. 
they're advocating policies that would not benefit the country that would actually, I think, cause our country and our state to fail um, economically. Uh, you know, meanwhile, the Republican Party is the party of uh, freedom and individual liberty and upward mobility and uh, a hand up and not a handout. So uh, I think we're gonna have a successful election next year. And once again, we all have to work as a team and, and uh, everybody, if they just pitch in a little bit, it can go a long way. Amen. A help up, not a handout. If you want to continue see, continuing to see, excuse me, Representative John Hardister fight for you as a North Carolinian, okay, no matter which aisle or which side of the um, aisle you like to sit at, left or the right, you have a true representative in Representative Hardister. And I do, I do endorse Representative Hardister every election cycle I'm going to do it. But at the end of the day, we need your support. We need your help. And like he stated, who hates or who loves raising funds? Um, it's not easy asking people for money. We understand where we are in the midst of COVID. But a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, twenty dollars help. And I'm going to do the same deal because I do believe that you have the wherewith and you do have the strength and the and the backing and the support and the name recognition and the track record to win your seat again. Uh Totally different from you, but I will be in the midst of which we are now in the midst of that campaign season as well, helping my, um, again, I spoke about my buddy run for sheriff, which we are under a heavy, heavy um, election. We have about six people that are running on the uh, Democratic ticket, which my buddy is running on the Democratic ticket. And uh, I support him because he's not a leftist, neither does he believe in the defunding of the police agenda. And I've known him for many years, and he currently served uh, almost 19 almost 20 years at the Wake County Sheriff's Office. So I support him um, and everybody that's on the right here in Wake County GOP. They know um, where I stand. And uh, I love the former sheriff, Donnie Harrison. He's still a great friend of mine. And uh, we talk quite often. But at the end of the day, uh, I brought it up to say it's a huge, um, huge campaign trail, huge uh, uh, audience of people that are trying to run. So hopefully you won't encounter that either, uh, John. Um, Representative Hardister, you'll just have a not opposed, uh, at least uh, in the primaries, because man, let me tell you what it is—it's crazy. Everybody, their mama wants to run just because, just because. I guess this is the year to just run, and I do believe everybody should have opportunity to run if your motives are clear and pure. Run, but so we'll be out there on a different light of the local campaign running, but uh, we we have a fight too, and I wish you all the best. And I will be, of course, still following your. Um, your uh, endeavors, I should say, right, or your progress. That's really what I'm looking for. So we love it. I've enjoyed it. This is Representative John Hardister, North Carolina Majority Whip. I hope not only that he is reelected, but he also is uh, chosen by his peers to continue to serve as a Majority Whip. He's doing an amazing job. I'd love to bring you on at some other time because we have, a, again, a whole lot to talk about. But, again, you have been listening to Representative John Hardister. He has to run because he is a busy man. But I want to end the show by always saying this. I thoroughly enjoyed our time together, Representative Hardister. Please come back anytime you want. Um, you don't even have to let me offer you. Text me, call me, and we'll do it, whatever, how you want to see it. Again, I know everybody's saying this is uh, centered around policing. Well, his heart and his uh, drive is for policing, so we can always find a way to tie them together. But I want to say please share with all the listeners out there Please share this episode as we always tell you to share, but this is a very, 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 very important episode. So send it out to everyone, especially the people that are in the Greensboro, um, Guilford County area um, 
foresight, all those places. Send it to him. He or she, get it out. Uh, and I'm going to end with this. As I always say this, too, I really enjoy bringing this particular episode to you. As I always say, you got to reach one, you got to teach one. Uh, and you have been listening to Real Talk. And I am Officer Thomas. But before we end, I want to say God continue to bless you as the listener. God bless our country. And more than ever, we need God to continue to bless our United States uh, Armed Forces. And then as a whole, bless America and allow us to get back to what uh, our four founders um, wanted us to do. And that's put God first and continue to create a great America where all citizens can uh, coexist and thrive together. And I want to do one more thing. He didn't know this, but I want to wish you, my brother, Representative Hardister, a early birthday. Um, and Thank I, you. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. And I do look forward to catching up soon to you. And then I'll come behind you and have a birthday on the 21st of November. So that's why we're so connected, too, because our birthdays are a month um, apart from each other. So. You know, I'll, I'll be 39, October 29th. I'll be 39. So one more year before I turn 40. And what I've been told is once uh, I, I'm a member of the Young Republicans, they say when you turn 40, you age out. But I'll still be young at heart. So it's all good. You're still going to be young at heart. And I guarantee you this. They're always going to call on you to uh, provide speeches and clarity and different things like that. So you'll always be a part of the Young Republican um, Club. And so I enjoyed it. Do you have any last minute parting words that you want to give? Yeah, I, I just want to thank you for having me on. This has really been a pleasure. I appreciate the, the thoughtful dialogue. And as I said before, I, I really do appreciate your, your public service and what you do for, for public safety and your voice as well. I think your voice is critical. Uh, I appreciate you uh, doing this program and and your, your thoughtful insight, and, and thank you so much for having me on. I've had a great time. I've had a great time, too, and I appreciate those kind remarks. I know they're genuine, and continue to pray for me. I'll do the same for you, and again, I thank you for coming on to the show. And we're going to end now. Again, you have been listening to Real Talk. I am your host, Officer Antoine Thomas, and you have heard from Representative Majority Whip of the North Carolina House Representative John Hardister. You all have a safe night, and until then, We'll see you soon.